Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Landry Football Podcast for this Wednesday, February sixteenth. Welcome aboard as we put another football season officially to end. We're going to break down the Super Bowl, talk a little bit about that. We're going to take our questions. Uh, as we head into the offseason, we've got a lot to talk about through the next weeks as we lead into free agency, the draft. Uh, so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about the fallout from the Auburn situation, what really happened. We talked about that last week a little bit, what was going on, what's happened since last week. We'll talk about that and we're gonna again get you up to date on look this is uh, a point in time where we're getting ready in college won't be long before spring practices the nfl it's free agency it's draft preparation it'll move along and along and along i know for many of you it's a slow off season the football season goes quickly the in season not so much we are um here to try to uh, though at least from my world it uh, it takes a long time to get all of this uh, done, and we've got a lot to get to. So I appreciate you joining us today. want to remind you a couple of things as we get into the Super Bowl. Uh, if you are ready to start sinking your teeth into the free agency world, got the scouting reports on the top players available in free agency or anticipated to be available in free agency, um, out there, we've got that for you on LandryFootball.com. We've got a position-by-position position little overview of uh, that we're running for you there. Uh, we're going to certainly put together all the draft stuff and get you ready for that. And certainly for the college fans, um, who are the best college players at each position in the country as we go, <clears throat> go and head towards spring practice? All of that's for you there. Latest news and notes from around the NFL in our notebooks, in the college notebooks. You can check that out uh, today. Um, as expected, the Bengals uh, extended Zach Taylor through the 2026 season. Um, he was the lowest paid coach in the NFL. We knew that was on the verge of changing. That has indeed taken place. Um, over in um, Los Angeles, as they're partaking in a parade. Uh, Sean McVay is uh, thought to be considering stepping aside. I don't believe that he is. I believe it's a little bit of a leverage play to get more money out of it and get a, a longer extension and security and more for his staff and what have you. And I think that he'll be able to do that. 
if it's not to its like, and there's all the, always the possibility he could step aside and do TV work and, and uh, see how that may, may play it out. But it is um, the kind of the storyline there. Uh, the Falcons released Dante Fowler today. Um, the Saints are interviewing Jake Gruden for the offensive coordinator position. Of course, we know that the Vikings have officially hired Kevin O'Connell. Um, what is going on in the quarterback search um, department? As you look at the top quarterbacks available um, in free agency, not a whole lot there. Probably the best one is Jameis Winston, Bridgewater, Mariota. Not a lot there. Deshaun Watson's situation is going to heat up. Uh, we're going to see people investigating it. The Bucks, the Vikings, a number of others are going to investigate the off-the-field situation. How big of a challenge is that going to be? So we'll take a, a look at that as well. Joe Burrow, good news, did not does not need a surgery to repair the MCL sprain that um, he got in the Super Bowl. So that's some latest news and notes, uh, some of the stuff that you can get on a daily basis over at LandryFootball.com. So what would you think of the Super Bowl? Um, a lot has been talked about the halftime show. I admit I'm not a music guy, and I'm certainly not a halftime show guy. I use the time to long halftime to go back and look at the game first half and get a view of it. And and what I saw was something that we talked about last week that I thought might be an issue for the Bengals, and that's pass protection holding up for Joe Burrow. Um, it, it just didn't hold up well enough yet. I did say that I thought the Bengals would have a really good chance if the game was close, and they did have a good chance. They didn't get it done. I thought Joe Burrow was going to get it done. I thought he was going to take them down and, and at least get them into overtime. Um, it didn't happen. What I saw was a team that was mismatched at the line of scrimmage. I thought the Rams did a tremendous job on defense. And offensively, down the stretch, um, Matt Stafford, uh, Cooper Cup were dominant for the Rams as they – put their team on their back and they were able to get it done. And with a late score and the defense was able to come up with key stops for um, the, the Rams and get off the field and, and win the Super Bowl. So it, it, to me, a couple of things jumped out. Cup was just incredible. Uh, <clears throat> he had a great season. He was so reliable. Um, once Odell Beckham went out, you saw enhanced, coverage focus on cup even more so and they did a good job of putting cup in different formations moving him around um more and more getting him open and he made big time plays for him no question about it um and stafford was just outstanding i mean he he attacked when he needed to attack and went downfield i uh, thought they made some plays wasn't Perfect by any stretch, but did a but did a really really good job. Donald was outstanding. I don't. Uh, people have asked me, "Is you think he's going to retire?" I have no idea. I, I it's hard for me to think somebody's going to retire when they are at the peak of their game and they're as good as someone like him is. Um, but yet, you know, there's you don't know what's in people's minds. I will say this, and I mentioned this on a show earlier today. Most players, um, like most coaches at the end of a season, 
are ready to retire. I mean, they, they've just, they're spent. They're done. They emotionally can't put one foot in front of the other. As you get further and further away from it, that the desire, that hunger to get, you know, to get right back on the saddle and do it again um, is there. So I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Donald, nor do I know what's going to happen with Tom Brady. Is he going to stay retired, come out? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but in this game, Donald finished the game with eight pressures, two sacks, one hit, five hurries. Um, unbelievable. He was dominant, and he was often triple teamed. So put those stats in perspective, those film grade stats in perspective. Uh, the Rams sacked Burrow seven times. They brought 26 pressures, 16 hurries, and three hits on 43 dropbacks. Um, Burl got the ball out in an average of 2.43 seconds. I mean, the ball was coming out in less than two and a half seconds, but even that wasn't quick enough to avoid the pass rush by the Rams behind a very shaky offensive line. Um, the right guard play was a real big problem with the Dimji. Um, he gave up three sacks in a hurry. Quentin Spann struggled at guard. That's going to be a big focus, I think, for Cincinnati this offseason. How much, what they're going to do, who they're going to potentially approach in free agency and through the draft. Uh, Joe Mixon gave up six sacks. You know, when you are going to face that type of avalanche of extra pressure, you've got to have backs that can help. They did not do a very good job there. Isaiah Prince allowed six pressures, one quarterback hit. Burrow was 22 of 33 for 263 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati, I thought, did a really good job of making enough big plays to be in the game. Um, but they're not a team that's going to go systematically down the field. Um, they just they rely on big plays. T. Higgins shined with four catches, seven targets, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Jamar Chase caught five passes, 89 yards. The Bengals receivers really uh, went after Jalen Ramsey for five catches on nine targets for 160 yards and, and a touchdown. Uh, Eli Apple uh, struggled in the game on, on that side. He allowed four catches on seven targets for 41 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Despite that, the Bengals just big plays in the air. It just wasn't enough to eventually hold up against Cup and Donald and Miller was was outstanding. And the rest of the pass rush. So congrats to them. The Rams, man, uh, they ran the football 23 times for 43 yards. They got nothing. 1.9 yards per carry. Matthew Stafford averaged 7.1 yards per pass attempt. So if we break that down even further, Stafford's yards per pass attempt on three touchdown drives was 9.3, and his average depth of target was 8.4. Those are really big numbers. Those are big, big play numbers. This indicates they were scoring because they were passing the football downfield. In any success, what little success they had underneath was due to their ability to stretch the field. Uh, on all other drives, the yards per passing attempt was just uh, over five, uh, 5.2. Looking at Sean McVay's play calling, he called 19 passes, eight runs, 
uh, on the Rams' three touchdown drives. Um, if you add in the drive, which they kicked the field goal to account for all the scoring drives, it bumps it up to 25 passes and 11 runs. Likewise, um, if we look at the early downs to filter out the runs in short yardage situations, McVay called 19 passes and nine runs. Um, you know, on the non-successful drives, it was a little bit more balanced with a ratio of 12 passes to 10 runs. The balance resulted in in the negative points added, and um, and it really really cost them. They they it is a play action offense, and the Rams were not real effective. Yet they their defense kept them in the game just enough to where Stafford and uh, was able to to uh, you know, to make enough plays to get it done. On the other side, take a look at Zach Taylor's, you know, play a little conservative. People gets criticized for that. He tends to lean that way. Doesn't have a lot of confidence in his, his offense late. His play calling is, is, uh, is very risk averse in those situations. Um, three short passes and another run. They ended up hunting after, you know, seven plays, uh, giving the ball back and a chance to take the lead. The Rams did take the lead, and, and certainly being a little bit more aggressive, if you get it done, is, is something that can allow you to finish the game a little bit better. So instead, they played not to lose, and it backfired. On the last play of the game, Taylor called a draw to Perrine on the third and one. You, you think, assuming Mixon is healthy and is not out of breath, that's who gets the ball there. They not only did they fail to convert on the, the first down, but they were forced to burn a timeout. And then Aaron Donald made back-to-back crucial plays, uh, which were, were pivotal. But Taylor has to do a better job there. Um, and again, where was Mixon in there? The other issues for the Bengals, their small ball approach. In terms of the passing game specifically, only three of Burrow's dropbacks were over 20-plus yards. Why? No pass protection. He accumulated 121 yards and a touchdown on these throws. But it's hard to be able to sustain and make enough big plays when you can't get enough protection. He had 142 yards and zero touchdowns in uh, in the other 30 pass attempts. That's just 4.7 yards per pass attempt. Um, I, I thought that there were some mistakes by both there. Ultimately, McVay did enough to correct his errors at the most important time. I Look, I, I'm not a um, it make everybody happy type. But I will say this. In an overview, as someone who doesn't care who wins the game, Cincinnati had a really good year, and it is a satisfying year for the Bengals and Joe Burrow. It was a year that was unexpected. You know, just as a perspective, the largest, um, you know, odds preseason to get to a Super Bowl was the Rams in 1999, and that was um, 150 to one. This Bengal team was 200 to one. They accomplished a lot. No, they're not happy, and no, there's no guarantee that they're getting back. Oh yeah, they're get back. Their young team burrows there. Uh, listen, they may get back many times. They may not ever get back again. Such is the life in football. Been there, done that. But yet you look at the Bengals and you think there's a better future. With the Rams, you almost got the feeling that this was the year. They 
put all the chips in the middle of the table. They made all the moves to fit short term. And, you know, everything from is Von Miller going to be back? And is Aaron Dono going to retire or not? And, and um, you know, uh, Andrew Whitworth, who's played great. I mean, a lot of questions. If they don't win it this year, you wonder if they even get back. Um, he was uh, – they, they, they were outstanding. They got it done. Uh, great job. Um, you know, I, I think that this is, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot that goes into the make of a team. I think there's a lot that goes into, uh, how you build a team, but this team took a lot of gambles and it paid off and they won and they won big. And if they hadn't won, trust me, it would have been seen as a failure by the Rams. Fair, unfair, it would have been. So that's my thoughts. Any thoughts, any questions you might have about your team um, as we now officially have everybody into an offseason? I was asked, well, what do what do you do now? Um, you know, I, I think that um, if you look at the teams that make the Super Bowl, they're about – five to six weeks behind their off-season program. So there's um, the the coaches of other teams. And obviously, you know that the teams that were in the conference championship, they, they were done two weeks ago. So they've had two weeks into their off-season. The teams that lost the week before, three weeks. The team before that, four weeks. And then the ones that didn't make it, five weeks. <clears throat> so, look, you all want to be in this situation where you get a late start on your preparation, because that means you make it to the Super Bowl and hopefully win it. But it does put you behind. So so what happens at the end of the season? Coaches look and study their roster. They take their position that, that they coach, do reports on all of their players. Uh, the coordinators do a report overall on their side of the ball. Then head coach puts his involvement and certainly – the uh, personnel director, the pro personnel director and pro scouts are involved as well in, in assessing your own roster. But then you start to combine those decisions with salary cap decisions. Whose contract is up? Who's is playing well but not worth the money that's getting paid? What restructions do we need to do? Those are things that you need to go through and to decide then you need to combine that with what you think is available in the free agent market. So, you know, these are my notes on that, and you can find them on LandryFootball.com of who are the best free agents. And, again, they're not free agents until the start of the league year, which is a week from today. Is today the 16th? It is the 16th today. March 16th, a month from today, I said a week, a month from today is the start of free agency. So we – Guys won't become free agents until they, they they technically could be signed and negotiate with their current team between now and March 16th. But as things go and play out, you you evaluate what's available potentially in free agency, and you start to get a feel at the senior bowl time um, of how players in the draft might factor in and compare to free agents in your players. Now, coaches that are just getting done – participating in the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl is um, is 
they can't go. And so they can only look at the tape of that. And so they miss out on that. But basically, they're behind. But it's a good behind, if you will. Uh, and that's what that's what goes on. But we're quickly with a month away. And we've got the, the combine coming up in early March in a couple of weeks. That's beginning the real process. It's the storm before the start of the league year in the NFL. And then we start to see a lot of movement. So uh, we've got a lot of stuff on there for you. Uh, we're going to break down each position. Um, we've got the quarterbacks and the running backs up. We've got the top overall players, detailed scouting reports up on LandryFootball.com of the available free agents that are out there. Um, so you're going to want to check that out. You'll want to become a member of LandryFootball.com if you're not, as you're going to be able to get that information for us there, uh, from us there. So we've got that. We're also going to be working on a team-by-team uh, -team strategy, off-season strategy, team needs, uh, their salary cap situation, adjusting all of that. We got an overview of all 32 teams up there, going to break down each and every team um, as well. And then certainly all the draft stuff, evaluating position by position, player by player, we'll have it all covered for you there. So make sure that you check out the scouting season special there. Um, also, again, again, college fans, you want to, that look through and get the updates on transfer portals in our notebooks every day, as well as the latest scuttlebutt of what might be happening in the NFL and our NFL notebooks. We got you looking ahead to the college season and who are the best players by position there. Speaking of college, the other story that took place, the biggest one in college football over the past week was when we left you, it looked like there was no way that Brian Harson was going to survive at Auburn. What happened? Well, I've done some research, I've done some checking, and I've used common sense on some things. But the people that were making accusations about what happened with Brian Harson, what he did or did not do, it was not corroborated. It was not provable. And therefore, um, there are a few things that took place. One, you've got Brian Harson that not only was going to want to get paid Everything in his staff, you know, all of those guys are going to get paid out, which that was part of it. Brian Arson was going to sue, going to sue for damages that were created by people associated with the Auburn program. So it became very scary situation and a good legal maneuver by Brian Harson and his legal team because Auburn got scared off. And they got scared off because they thought there would be litigation that would be potentially damaging in a lot of levels. And as you know, in discovery, guys that are big boosters, the Jimmy Reigns, the Bobby Louder type guys, and Bobby Louder is a little bit more behind the scenes than he used to be. They don't want people digging in through discovery in a legal sense to find out kind of what they're doing because a lot of that's not very pretty. Um, you've got an outgoing president at Auburn. He ain't answering to anybody. He doesn't give a flip about what the – I mean, he's got, he wasn't going to let this happen on his watch. He said, no, he's staying. That's that. The athletic director, um, Alan Green, is I don't think going to survive. He hasn't said a word, not a peep out of him. So what essentially has happened is they cut the their head coach off at the knees, basically fired him publicly, fired him in effigy, and yet couldn't – couldn't finish the deal technically, 
but yet they're dealing in what is anything but the hormone, uh, harmonious nature that they purport that's going on. It's not what's going on there. There's a lot of animosity. I think that Brian is going to put his head down, is going to coach his team hard. This is not like Tommy Tuberville, where Tommy went up 11-0 and the year after Jetgate and kind of stuck it to everybody. This is not an Auburn team that's going to match well enough to – they'd be fortunate. I mean, it would be a great season to win eight games. So what's going to happen, I'd say next year at this time, Auburn will have a new president, new athletic director, and a new head coach because I don't think there's anything that Brian Harson can do, but I think he played this right. And I think it's a sad commentary when people are so unscrupulous to try to get a guy out. You want to get a guy out, fire him. Own it up, have the backbone to say, don't want him, don't like him, here's why, and we're only giving him one year, too bad, we're moving on. Take the heat for that. But when you try to drum up a lot of things that apparently are not provable, that supposedly happen as the reason you're going to do it and you can't do it, I, I can't think of anything worse. It makes you look weak as a support group, a support arm, a booster arm of your university. So Auburn's in a mess and, maybe, oh, that's all settled down. No, it's not. This is this – is, as bad as it can get because now there's, oh, there's going to be support for Brian Harson by the administration, but the negativity and once the, the boosters that are running this, that want to run him out, they're going to be the ones putting in their own president. They're going to be the ones putting in their own athletic director. And they're going to want to come after and get the coach that they want, whoever that is. Uh, the boosters, where such bravado was actually trying to negotiate a deal with Hugh Freeze, who was very interested in leaving Liberty to take this job. But again, obviously, the job never came open because the president who has the authority said, no, not going to do it. We're not going to go through a lawsuit. And again, the booster said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want any discovery, anything that's going to come down on us and open up a can of worms for us. So that's how I see the Auburn situation. Very, very unfortunate there. Um, Don't see many of you with questions or thoughts today. I appreciate those of you that are listening. I see rich coaches join us. When you look at the 50 sacks that Burrow took, how many of them were on the offensive line? Burrow's receivers are not getting open. It's mostly on the offensive line. We just talked about that game. But you look at it – a lot of it is you got to check down, but you know, I, I to to put a percentage on it, he he doesn't hold the ball very long, so the majority of it is on the offensive line. That's the biggest issue. When you look at the the film breakdown, it's a complete breakdown at the start from the offensive line, and in particular protecting the A-gaps up the middle where a quarterback's most vulnerable. So the center and the guard play has to get appreciably better. Now, to make things worse is this is a big play team with big play receivers. So you want to go deep. And so they had to take some chances on what we call odd-down situations where the pass it was rundowns that the pass rush, they didn't bring as many guys. They backed off of it a little bit. And yet 
in tight coverage, Burrow was very effective, as were the receivers. But without question, the line share, I would put it at over 75%, is due to the play of the offensive line. Uh, there were things, I mean, look, all you got to do is look at the fact that they made the Super Bowl with this offensive line that graded out amongst the the 10 worst in the league. And I wouldn't say it was the bottom. I'd say it's – I would say on on the overall season between 20 and 25, 20 and 23 actually, where they kind of ranked in terms of grades, but they made it to the Super Bowl despite the fact that the offensive line played poorly. So I think that's the best way, Rich, to describe it is that they overcame – Joe Burrow did in the offense. They overcame the problems on the offensive line. Um, but there are certainly points and times where you look and say receiver could have helped this out and quarterback could have helped this out. Um, um, Hey, Joe Fulton, happy black history month. Great. Happy black history month to you. I wonder in honor of black history month, if you could share your thoughts on, uh, let's see here on, uh, about the Syracuse eight. You know, there's uh, – I don't know as much about the Syracuse 8, uh, the history behind it. Um, I have heard about it. Uh, I didn't quite live it as much as, as – uh, but I would say this, that as you probably well know, um, there was less tolerance in the South where I'm from. And a lot of unfortunate things that took place with teams that – basically stood up in, in a time where it's it's popular to stand up and do the right thing and the right thing being you know uh equal acceptance <clears throat> back then there were bowl games that would not allow hey you can come you're invited to our bowl but your bike players can't come i think the university of san francisco was a was a famous one uh wyoming was a famous one syracuse is another that said no we're a team. Um, there was greater acceptance in the North, and, and God bless them for doing it. Obviously, the great history of running backs, the great history of players. Syracuse goes back in the lineage in, in, um, in the Northeast. You had a lot of them. I, I, you know, it's just we had um, with um, some recent discussions with, uh, with Black History Month and the historically black colleges, if you look at the history, of the NFL draft and the historical black colleges, the reason why they were so great was because it couldn't play anywhere else. And a lot of people saying, well, we're going to go back. They're going to be back to it. They'll never be back to where it used to be. And, and quite frankly, they shouldn't be. You know why? Because back then, blacks could only go to the HBCUs. Now a black young man can go to anywhere he wants. That's the difference between now and, say, the 50s. If you look at the team, Syracuse, Syracuse was really, really good, 30s, 40s. But you look at programs that may maybe not historically great. The University of Minnesota, they built, they won like seven national championships at Minnesota. Why? They came down south. Uh, Bernie Bierman, Murray Warmath, coaches at Minnesota, came down south and recruited the black athlete that couldn't play in the south. Uh, Bubba Smith grew up in Texas, wanted to play at Michigan, uh, at, uh, at Texas. Uh, and Darrell Royal wanted him so badly to play. Couldn't do it. 
our administration not ready to let a black football player in. So he goes up and plays at Michigan State. And there are countless stories of that out west that stayed out there. Sam Bam Cunningham and, you know, great players that infiltrated all parts of the country. And then it was, you know, down south. I'm going to tell you how recent it was. Uh, Just this past week, we got the announcement that one of the all-time great receivers, Cliff Branch, God rest his soul, has been posthumously voted into the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I saw Cliff Branch at Tiger Stadium, 10 minutes that way I'm pointing, Tiger Stadium against LSU, Colorado. and I saw him run by great LSU corners like Tommy Casanova, and you didn't have the black athlete then. It wasn't prevalent. And um, that's about when the early 70s, when your first star guys – uh, late 60s, early 70s in the SEC starting to be let in. Now, thank goodness we've made progress where we don't have that. But I'm glad you bring that out. And I think that as we go forward, we need to understand that we're dealing with the issues of black head coaches, not enough of them. And um, But there was a point in time where they didn't get opportunities to play as well. Rich says, as far as color commentators uh, that call the game, which one in your view does the best, Romo, Collinsworth, or Aikman? I don't know, Rich. I really don't. Um, I, I, you know, I don't really. That's a tough job. I mean, I think it's very difficult. What they do, I think they're personable. That's a different job. They they miss a lot of things. Um, I mean, a lot of criticism that Collinsworth missed a number of things in the game, and he did. But, you know, it's real live action. You know, a lot of times I'm watching it. And I may miss something that I only see when I go back and watch the tape. Um, I, I don't know who's better. I think that's beauties in that eye of the beholder there. So um, that's kind of a um, look there. But uh, I will say this. I have heard this. I don't know how accurate this is or not, Rich, uh, because I don't follow contracts. Of, but, but I've heard that Aikman's either contract is up and – you know, he's either he wants Romo money, which is big money, or he might go to Amazon and do the Thursday night and Amazon's willing to pay a bunch of money. And that brings in the possibility of Sean Payton that either wants to do the Amazon thing or maybe replace Aikman or I don't know. Um, I've heard Al Michaels contract is up at NBC and they're maybe considering doing something with ESPN. I know the ESPN uh, thing is is been considered far behind. I don't know who you like, Rich. I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's to me, which one has better football knowledge? I, you know, to me, that's different. I don't know that any of them, um, but, but when you're talking about the toughness of doing that job on the spot and catching everything, it's, it's tough to do. It's tough to do. What was my scouting evaluation of Sean Gilbert out of pitch? Sean was a big, powerful, explosive defensive tackle, but boy, he had a lazy streak into him. Jason Hansen was a really good kicker out of Washington State. He ended up being a great kicker at, for the Detroit Lions. Thomas Smith out of North Carolina, loved Thomas, could run, and saw him moving and playing linebacker in the modern system, and he did, did very well. Spartan Bartman, good to have you back and uh, joining us there. Uh, appreciate there. And Greg saying, hey, Chris, any thoughts on what's going on with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? Hey, good question, Greg. Appreciate you bringing that up. I fail to mention it. There are a number of things. We've got it over at Landry Football, but look, here's the thing about Kyler. I'm a little bit surprised that it got public 
I'm a little bit surprised they went down that direction, went down that road either side. It's never good to have that aired out, but it tells you a little something. Um, I do know this, that Kyler has not shown the, the level of maturity that they had hoped. Um, you know, for example, quarterbacks that have the, the right mental toughness are willing to take all the blame when things go bad, even when it's not their fault. They understand that they're much, you know, too much is given, much is expected. Take the blame, even when it's somebody else's fault. It's my fault. Kyler's, you know, we know the story now. He didn't want to finish the game with the Rams. He was frustrated. He thought that team threw him under the bus. Well, you know, you got to do handle it better, Kyler. And I think the immaturity is part of what was a problem, uh, was part of his problem that I thought he got out of when he left A&M. It was definitely a problem at A&M. And then when he went to Oklahoma, he had success. But I think it's an issue. They've built that offense around him. I think he's got limitations. And I I don't think he accepts the responsibility. Um, and maybe this shows us that he's lacking a little bit of toughness. And I'd be concerned about where I want to go with him. But takes talent to replace talent. To replace talent. And everyone says, would you pay fill-in-the-blank guy? You have to do whatever you can to keep the best players that you have in fold until you can replace them with better guys. How much do you want to play Kirk Cousins? As much as you need to to stay there until you can get better. Those are the things that that um, that's really relevant. So good thoughts there. Um, Smart Barton said, do you think for the most part every team should draft quarterback each draft as a strategy? Uh, not necessarily. It depends. Depends on two things. Um, even if you've got a quarterback, do you like somebody? Do you have good value? I mean, to me, um, what's your situation? Um, if you've got a quarterback, he's under contract, you're in good situation. Uh, if you see good value in the third round, that supersedes anything else that you have that is a greater value at another position, yeah, I'd consider it. Later rounds, yes, I'd absolutely do it. I'd like to get a quarterback every draft, yes. Am I going to absolutely take one? No, I'm not going to waste a draft pick on a guy that I'm not comfortable drafting unless I feel he's got a chance to be successful in the league, even if he may not be an ideal fit for us in the short term because that has great value, trade value. It has a, a lot of value going forward. But I'm not going to just take a guy to say, I took a quarterback. I'm going to take a chance on a guy. I need to have the right grade on the guy and be able to take him at the right spot. The problem with doing that is that quarterbacks are overvalued. So you're taking guys. There is not a guy, not a quarterback in this draft that's a first-round graded player. I'm not done with my board yet. I'm In fact, I'm just putting it together in the numbers as the evaluations are ongoing. I don't see anything, and if it changes, I will do it. But I, I there's not a quarterback in this draft that's worthy of a first-round grade. There will be multiple guys drafted in the first round at quarterback, maybe as many as three. They're overvalued. So a second-round guy going the first, a third-round maybe going in the second, a fourth-round maybe going late second, early third, a fifth-round. You follow me? So it's hard to get good value. So 
you have to see something in a guy that fits what you want that others may not. Ideally, like to have one, but I'm not going to lock myself into taking one that's not of value. Who are, uh, who are the best prospects for special teams in this year's draft? Kicker, punter, and long snapper. Um, incomplete on that yet. Uh, it's about even. There are a couple of kickers that I like, three or four punters that I like. There's a few deep snappers, but those are guys that are later round picks. We'll have that up for you over at LandryFootball.com with all the grades on that. Working on that, um, a little bit behind on the kickers and punters, quite frankly, but those get evaluated um, the same way and as thoroughly. One of the things about the evaluation and draft boards, and I know everybody's mock draft this and mock draft that, and they got this guy. All that stuff is just for clicks and excitement. That's great. When I, I certainly want to provide that excitement for you as well. But what I want do, to do is be thorough and correlate that with the work that I currently do, and that is want to finish the evaluations. I tell you this during the season, that evaluating during the football season is like walking on a treadmill or running on a treadmill. You're moving, but you're not going anywhere. You're just getting through tape and doing it. Now that the season has been put to bed, every tape, it's like walking and actually walking in your subdivision or walking on a walking path. You're making progress, so to speak, because to get through more and more tape, you just got to just chop it off a little bit as much as you can each and every day and look at a cross-reference of everything. So when we do that and we'll have some initial thoughts in kind of prospecting on who looks the best going into the combine, but more than the combine workout and the results and the information changing the board, because that doesn't change much for me. It's taking the film work that I'll still be doing the rest of this month and next month. Once you get into more and more film and you look at more and more people in a cross-reference, that's when you begin to, the board becomes a little bit more, stable, settled. That's how we do it in the league with teams, and that's how we do it at Landry Football. So appreciate uh, everybody joining us, Rich Coach, Spartan Bartman, Greg, and um, hey, Joe Foe, everybody, all of you guys. A reminder, check us out. Um, we mentioned that we're going to be doing some things for those of you that might be interested. Um, I'm partnering with some folks, actually, going to be part owner of a group that um, put this in your browser and you studied Maroon Mega Media. Uh, it is a group uh, of folks, Texas A&M, who are going to do this, and they were interested in doing it and approached me. So we're going to provide them. If you're not an A&M fan, it may or may not be interested uh, interest uh, interest you. Certainly, you'll learn a lot, lot about that program, but also there'll be other things. We'll be doing the Twitter spaces where you can be interactive and call and ask questions and things of that nature. So it is not going to be against the rules to call in and ask a question about football. That's even off topic of Texas A&M, but check that out. We'll be doing a test run tomorrow, but we're going to be doing that. I'll be having um, some of the A&M people that cover the programs, the basketball program, the baseball program, recruiting. So we'll be able to get, I'll be there to give the coaching and scouting perspective and the national perspective and the, the guys that cover it on a daily basis will be there as well. So it's be a lot of fun. Spread it around. We'd ask you to tell all of your friends that you think are Texas A&M friends 
uh, to check us out. And we'd, inc- we'd love to have you there as well to join us and, and be a part of what we do. So we're excited about that. Uh, LandryFootball.com. I know uh, some of you have been members in the past and hopefully uh, we'll come back as we get this started uh, with this scouting season, 50% off deal. So check that out. Uh, free agency grades, um, uh, draft grades, uh, looking at next year's uh, best players in college football, regardless of position and or by position and regardless of class, I should say, um, everything, draft, free agency, folks, we're just getting started. Uh, the, taking you inside the draft room of each and every NFL team, uh, keeping you up to date in our notebooks every day, college football, NFL, we got it all for you there. And of course, Every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Central, we'll bring you the Landry Football Podcast. So appreciate everybody that's joined us. Uh, Join us again next week and uh, spread the word. See you over at Landry Football. A lot of those things, those questions that you're asking in detail, we'll have for you. So spread the word about LandryFootball.com. We'd appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great evening and a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.